Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Welcome everyone to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Wayne Eckerson, president of Eckerson Group and a 30-year veteran of the data and analytics industry. And today I'm joined by Dan Lin, Senior Vice President of Product at Crux. With 22 years of experience in software uh, prior to Crux, Dan served as Head of Product at Precisely and Hitachi Ventura and has been an angel investor. So welcome to the show, Dan. Hi, Wayne. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to be here with you. So the topic today is the agile approach to external data integration. It's a topic uh, near and dear to my heart, uh, having done some research recently on data marketplaces. Uh, and I think this external data integration is the biggest pain point in helping organizations monetize their data or even just share it with external partners. So, but before I babble on, let me ask you, what is external data integration for you at Crux and how does it pro provide the enterprise with an advantage? Yeah, that's a great question. It's it's funny, like Crux grew up out of the last you know six years focusing on external data. And I think a lot of enterprises are are, are still unaware of, of the external data as a separate set of challenges in data integration. Really for for all kinds of analytics use cases, data science, machine learning, uh, you're, you, most organizations are focused on the data that their their own enterprise generates or their own users generate. Um, that's transactional data, customer 360, uh, the kinds of things that typically you'd classify as internal data. And not to minimize the challenges of, of integrating uh, and, and transforming and observing internal data. What, uh, what makes external data difficult is, is it's originating outside of your organization, uh, but that's what also makes it so valuable. It's, it's data that provides additional context to the information your business is generating. And so that, you know, in the world of finance, for example, that's, that's market data, stock prices, risk, risk holdings, it's uh, environmental social governance data that you hear in the news occasionally, it's, it's climate data, it's weather data, it's uh, shipping information, it's, it's external data sources that provide information to help your decision systems make better decisions with added context. And there's a lot of value, but it also has a lot of challenges. Yeah. Are most of the organizations you work with consuming external data that is uh, information they've purchased or information they're sharing with partners? Yeah. For, for at least for Crux, uh, the companies that we work with, a lot, like the vast majority are working with a, a blend of commercially sourced uh, data sets where a, a vendor, like well-known suppliers of, of data, you know, think about companies like Bloomberg or FactSet or EDI or MSCI or folks like that. They're, they put a lot of work into curating these reliable external data sets that are usually describing events in the world. And so you'll get a, a daily uh, export of some sort from these, these systems, or sometimes it's weekly or sometimes it's intraday. Um, and that's a that's tends to be data that's of, of higher quality, um, more reliable because there's a commercial relationship involved there. But there's also a very long tail of, of license-free, effectively, or royalty-free uh, external data produced by various governments, nonprofits uh, that describe all sorts of other parts of the world. And really, when you when you blend those together, uh, you can make some really cool uh, investment decisions or risk management decisions or pricing decisions or uh, what have you. 
Yeah, it's interesting that you use the words curated with commercial data because I've heard that at least a while ago, uh, the data that people bought from external data providers was not the greatest quality. And the schema often would change, which would wreak havoc on any integration that they had set up uh, to absorb and ingest that information. Has that changed? Has that gotten better? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a, a perennial problem that, you know, <laughs> our, our customers at Crux run into all the time. Um, you know, the, the, the quality tends to be better on average in the commercial vendors because they, they do have a commercial uh, interest in, in making it higher versus kind of a, a royalty-free source where they might not have the investment to maintain that. But even if even if a supplier of data is in, investing in data quality and reliability and availability, often a lot of these data sets, some of the most valuable ones, they go back decades. And so you have you might have a daily you know chunk of data that describes some part of the world uh, that goes back to the, the 90s, or even and we have some suppliers that go back even earlier than that. And due to you know auditing rules and a lot of reasons um, that are kind of out of the scope of this podcast, what happens is the, the shape of that data will change over that amount of time. And uh, it's often kind of an afterthought to go back and reissue historical data using today's schema. And so a lot of, a lot of times when, when our customers go to onboard external data, you know, if, especially if they're trying to do a, a, a longitudinal analysis or, or some sort of long, longer term uh, backtesting type activity, uh, they're going to have to do a lot of transformation to get all of the previous schemas transformed into kind of today's schema. And that means, you know, added columns, dropped columns, changes in data types, renamed columns, you know, it's sometimes even more complicated where they'll have extracted reference tables where it was previously denormalized before. And it, it just gets really complicated uh, to get the, to get the value initially. So I assume that's where Crux comes in. So you help sort out all those gnarly issues that can just give data managers headaches, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, we, we have a, a slide that I usually use that um, it was originally put together by a data scientist named Monica Rigotti, and she calls it the data science hierarchy of needs. <laughs> and it's like, everybody wants to be doing AI and deep learning, right? You want to be at the tip of the pyramid. I, you know, you want to be really experimenting and, and trying different models and seeing which algorithms work better. Uh, but until you, you can't really do all that if you're working with dirty data or you're working with spotty data that has holes in it or, or the schemas aren't even aligned. <clears throat> and so that's really where Crux comes in. We 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 help um, you know data data critical decision making organizations and companies uh, optimize that flow of external data in order to make it analytics ready. So we really believe that all information should be data science and analytics ready, which is a pretty big, hairy, audacious goal. But you know, we focus on a lot of those problems of getting the data reliably delivered on a daily basis, uh, helping shape the data so it's it's actually consumable by, you know, whatever system you happen to do. And for us, that tends to be two primary uh, use cases. We're either like dropping it into uh, warehouse type environments, things like uh, BigQuery, things like Snowflake, things like Databricks, and or or we're you know focusing on. More, more direct kind of data science use cases, something you could load into a Jupyter notebook, which also you know fits into the world of Spark and, and Databricks. Uh, but also um, there's a lot of companies that have a, some investment in a data infrastructure. And so they're really more interested in, in standardized file-based delivery across you know hundreds or thousands of different external data sets. And just making sure all those files have the same uh, format. You know, they're usually in parquet format. So the schemas in those parquet files are aligned the timestamps within those files are also aligned. 
and getting a lot of the uh, the kind of nuts and bolts of data readiness out of the way. Uh, and you know, we found a, a lot of success and we're growing quite a bit uh, based on solving those problems for customers. I mean, the, the challenges of external data are are more than just that, but it's uh, those are the, the really big pain points. So you're like ETL for external data. It sounds like. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty close. I mean, we we're, sometimes we're like an ETL type of flavor, and other times we're an ELT kind ELT, of flavor. Right, to yeah. get semantic. It depends upon your, your architecture. How, how did you guys get into this line of business? I mean, it's kind of a specialty, I would say. I don't think I've come across any other vendor that's focused on ETL, ELT integration for external data. Yeah, it's funny. It's you know, so I uh, I joined the company in in late 2021, so I, I can kind of give you the uh, the late joiner origin story, <laughs> superhero origin story of the company. But I think it's pretty pretty accurate. I mean, the, the company um, you know got started about six years ago, um, largely growing out of a, a, a problem that was common to some of the you know most hungry external data providers, uh, largely grown out of Wall Street and financial services. Uh, and that led to the you know the founding of Crux trying to solve this problem where they realized everybody's just dumping tons and tons of money into reinventing the data engineering wheel for external data and across a lot of different uh, you know Wall Street players you found that everybody was continuing to uh, reinvent the same sets of pipeline management the same sets of data observability the same set of transformation kind of processes and it ended up getting quite expensive and so a bunch of folks got together. And realized that you know it would be better if there was a, a commercial player, and that really led to the founding of Crux, right? And so, you know, s- some of our kind of notable public investors are you know folks like Goldman Sachs and Two Sigma, right? Uh, Morgan Stanley, right? And you know we can count a good chunk of all those as customers as well. So the the first problem with external data for a big company like a Wall Street company is just understanding who actually in the company is buying that data. Because a lot of companies, and, and maybe this has changed, but initially it was just different people or different departments who were buying sometimes the same data from the same providers. So I would think that the first step that you have to work with clients on is just coordinating the purchase and maybe even establishing a purchasing authority for external data. Is that a part of your script? Yeah, it's a great question, and it is a it is a, a common problem across you know any large organization that's it's purchasing external data, or really per, per, procuring anything is trying to get your hands wrapped around kind of centralizing that procurement process so you don't buy the same thing twice, etc. And that that applies to data as well. Uh, for Crux, you know, that's our, our focus is really more on the data delivery and the plumbing and ensuring that's reliable. Although you know we definitely run into that that motion in our customers where folks are usually trying to organize around a central data team or central data management group that's consolidating that licensing, right? Trying to eliminate duplicative licensing um, and trying to, you know, only get the right number of seats or, you know, whatever the licensing term is in order to do that. And, you know, Crux actually ends up kind of helping on, on the side with that because as we start to develop pipelines, right? Or as we start to, you know, pull data in for delivery, it often triggers those, license review kind of cycles that might not have otherwise happened uh, at the customer. And they, they go and figure out, oh, we're buying more than we need of this. And that, and that actually saves a lot of money, I think, in those cases. Right. So you're kind of assuming that they've got their procurement act together, or if not, you'll help them uh, at least point out what they need to do. Yeah. So I guess one question I have for you is, you know, these are big firms you're typically dealing with. Um, mostly financial services at this point, although that will change, I think. 
They've got big data engineering teams. They can certainly solve the external data integration problem. But I'm going to assume that they're busy enough and would like to outsource this problem to some specialist who understands the nuances of external data perhaps better than they do. Is that a fair statement? I think that's a very fair statement. The uh, there's a lot of expertise, you know, especially across our customer base, uh, and and a ton of expertise, if, as you can imagine, on the the data science side, right? On the you know the, the start counting PhDs effectively, and you have some really hard math being solved, some really hard problems being solved, um, and one of the impediments is really just getting you know clean, ready to use data uh, in order to feed it into those those problem solving areas. And while a lot of those companies, you know, can do that, they end up finding that uh, the costs of, of bringing in that external data become, you know, in some cases prohibitive to bringing on more of it, uh, because depending upon where you're procuring it, the reliability of the data is also a, a big factor. I and mean, once you set up a pipeline, you know, uh, you got to maintain that thing. You got to observe it. You have to, if it becomes a critical part of your decision-making infrastructure, like if you're trading on that data, for example, Timeliness of the data is critical. Noticing when a like an upstream SLA is breached, or noticing when the data is late or missing or corrupted, right? all the things that can break those pipelines as they're flowing um, become pretty critical. And you, the, a lot of teams end up, uh, you know, it starts off small and you can manage it, but once you get into the hundreds or thousands of pipelines, uh, you need to really be systematic about about how to manage that and maintain those pipelines. And uh, that slows the pace. Folks spend more and more of their time kind of keeping the lights on, so to speak, and less time bringing on new uh, new information, new new data sets. We actually did a we did a study uh, last year with a fairly large sample of customers. We we worked with Forrester on it, and you know across the survey base, you know people were spending still seventy percent of their time, um, you know, on just the plumbing of the data, maintaining that data, and only 30% on the actual data an analysis. And it's funny for, I mean, Wayne, for you and I that have been in this industry a little bit, right? That, that's progress. Right? <laughs> yeah, it is, actually. I, I remember it was 80-20, and so uh, I think we're doing great. It's only 70-30 now, but uh, <laughs> um, it, it is challenging once you get into the to volume and at scale with these external data products. Do you see yourselves as an extension of a company's internal data engineering team? I mean, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out where do you stop and the client starts? Uh, or are you doing the end-to-end -end pipeline? But that means, and if you are, that means that they have to kind of divulge a lot of information to you about how they're doing things and for you to dump data right into a specific database with in a specific format, the specific schema. Um, well, maybe that, that's it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a great it's a great question, and it actually varies across our customer base. Um, Crux actually has two offerings in the market, right? We have you know our our, our white glove data engineering data operations service, which is called Crux Forge, mm -hmm. which is where really is that kind of extension, the, the the outsourced kind of data engineering, right? And you know we work really closely with our customers to to fit the the plug to the socket, so to speak, in the right way. Mm. Um, and that really is, you know, figuring out well what data destination are you wanting to put this in. We've got customers using cloud data warehouses. We've got customers using Spark. We've got customers that would rather just go into a data lake, um, and you know, there's a well formatted data showing up in something like S3 or, or something where somebody's building a data lake. We really kind of tune that based off the customer's uh, desired handoff point, and often there's additional pipelines that pick up from there, and a lot of it, you know, 
higher value, so to speak, data engineering that happens on top of that kind of you know analytics ready data. And are you doing that secondary pipeline once it gets in there or just delivering it to a spot? We focus really on that just delivery and getting that analytics ready data, you know, available for that downstream, you know, blending or downstream uh, analysis, whatever that is, if it's BI, if it's data science. And that tends to be a good fit with the way our customers structure their organizations because they would they can look at kind of that ingestion and that plumbing part of that. And that's a it's a really nice data interface to say, okay, we're gonna pick it up from here. Now I know a lot of emerging data marketplace platforms. Uh, do the same thing. They can deliver data in a specific format to a target database or file system. Do you see those as competitors or partners? I would definitely see it as partners, right? The um, it's it's actually a really cool motion that we see. Um, we actually have you know public partnerships um, with like Google Analytics Hub, for example, right? Um, and with like Databricks coming for these available marketplaces where you can go look for data. And one of the challenges with any marketplace, and we find it, it's interesting. A lot of our customers are also creating private marketplaces for their own internal consumption. Yeah. Um, and so that pattern happens a lot as well. The marketplace is really only as valuable as the data inside of it. And so there's a lot of uh, hydrating that has to happen in order to get as many external data products uh, available inside of those marketplaces as you can to get critical mass. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good partnership opportunity for Crux because that that long tail of, of these external data products that have been around forever and they are coming from you know hundreds or thousands of different sources is a really messy job to get those shaped into a marketplace, be it public or private. And, and I think that, that provides a really good opportunity, at least for Crux, you know, to help with that. Um, if you're making one internally, or if you're if you're you know going to something like Google Analytics Hub. A lot of like the commercial data sets are in there are hydrated actually by Crux. So, so that's interesting. You, <laughs> you make the marketplaces possible in many ways because you bring them the external data that they need to turn into products that then they distribute uh, via their mechanisms to their customers. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, good parts of it. I mean, I think the, the marketplaces have a, a great vision of enabling exchange from you know any party to any other party of data. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of shaping that has to happen there. I think a lot of businesses aren't really ready to like fully productize their data and, and, you know, try to monetize it correctly. And that's, that's a, a pretty big challenge that requires investment. But, um, I think the marketplaces are going to solve a key part of that over time, but in order to really get the adoption, the marketplaces end up being that kind of two-sided network a little bit to get that adoption in the critical mass, you got to start with something. And that's really where external data comes in. Cause it's, it's exceptionally valuable, and uh, uh, if you, you can just go in there and drop something right into your BigQuery or drop something right into a, a Databricks, uh, you know, mark, notebook that you're using, yeah, um, that that adds a lot of value. Yeah, and when I when I researched data marketplaces, I learned that uh, several of them were using Crux to ingest data into their own marketplace so they could productize it. Uh, so, so you play. Yeah, it's really like an accelerator. It really helps if anything that looks like a marketplace. That's if you have like a private catalog, you're trying to create a, a list of curated internal or like curated external data products for internal consumption. Um, you know, and, and you're really wanting to accelerate getting those listings hydrated, populated. Right, that's where uh, Crux can help a lot. So, what is your secret sauce? We, we've talked a little bit about some of your products and some of the capabilities that you support. But is there really a secret sauce that companies just can't do without you? Yeah, <laughs> for yeah, that's a that's, that's a great question. I think where I think Crux is 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 
best at is, you know, one is we are really good at operating external data products at scale. Mm. And so that means once these things are in production and you're delivering them, you know, we've got a, a 24-7 operations team uh, paired with a lot of really cool observability technology to understand the health of these products, understand when things are late or corrupted, uh, in many cases do auto remediation so that things are fixed before the, the downstream consumer even knows it broke, uh, which I think is a, a pretty cool area for the company. And then the other side of kind of where we're great is our ability to onboard data quickly, new data quickly. Crux actually has you know, a catalog of thousands of like these pre-engineered integrations where we already know the shape of the data. We already know the, you know, where it's coming from, how frequently, how frequent it is, you know, what's the earliest I could get the data, how late does it tend to be? A lot of really cool statistical information that we know about, you know, a, a huge portion of the external data market. And, you know, we've codified that into our software so that if we've seen data before, it's exceptionally quick to onboard that, make it available for downstream customers or for marketplaces. And then, you know, we've, we've, you know, we've launched a self-service offering that uses a lot of that technology to, to do that for arbitrary data sources. So it helps profile external data sources, even if we haven't seen it before and help infer those, those delivery schedules, those file formats, the schemas, and help shortcut a lot of what otherwise is a really painful manual data engineering kind of life cycle. Right. Right. Uh, that's very interesting. Those predefined connectors probably save you and the clients tons of time. Uh, because a lot of external data, I mean, there's there's some, I don't know, a dozen or more products that everyone uses, right? So you probably have those nailed, right? Yeah, it's funny because it's like everybody know every you know every data integration software out there you know can go call an API or you know you know read from an S3 bucket, right? But understanding the model, the the, the data product model of what is this thing, how frequently does it change, you know, what schemas are in here, and, and kind of treating that holistically as a as a unit of consumption that would be in a catalog. That's really where, you know, the difference, you know, I, I, I liken it to the world of, you know, like, uh, let's say like legacy infrastructure operations where you're using like Puppet, mm. right, to do imperative configuration yeah. versus the world of Kubernetes where you're doing declarative configuration. Yeah. Um, having that declarative model for how the data should behave and how it should, should work is exceptionally powerful. And that's far harder to do than, just pointing at an imperative pipeline at some FTP server and kind of hoping for the best. <laughs> right. And the automatic remediation when something breaks, uh, so you fix it before the client even knows. That's that's superb. <laughs> so it sounds like uh, any company that's touching external data in any way, shape, or form ought to look into you guys because you are the specialist. I'm going to have to posit that there's no one else out there doing what you do. You have no competition. Is that true? You know, there's there's a lot of like adjacent, I think, competitors out there. But I think the one we run into the most, honestly, is is like a customer's kind of internal team that perceives us as competition initially because, you know, it's like, oh, well, Crux is going to come in and, you know, automate away my jobs or something like that. But we find that's not usually the case. You know, it's you, we go in and, and those data teams are usually inundated with, you know, effectively toil if you were to... You know, quote the SRE book from Google, right? It's it's the day-to-day -day drudgery of, of dealing with kind of like pipeline breaks and onboarding new data. And, you know, it, being able to like up-level those, those customer data engineering teams to higher value work, is, I think is, you know, there's an initial perception of competition, I think. But, you know, once we get a little further into it, there's, I think people get pretty happy. I suspect some of your clients have actually, actually asked you to come in and do 
take over some of their internal data pipelines as well. <laughs> it has been a conversation, I think, in terms of focus. You know, one of the you know, we, we're focused at what we're really good at. And one of the things is it is kind of repeatable for us. And, uh, you know, maybe over time in the future, we'll, we'll look at more of the internal stuff, but I think it's, it's really beneficial for, for the customer for us to, you know, focus on what we're really good at. And, you know, it's a, it's a really broad net of every customer's internal pipelines are going to be a little different and they're going to be specialized to that business process. And, and the customer really is the expert at, at how to set those up. Well, good. So you're staying focused, staying disciplined. That's good to hear. So listen, Dan, thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate your coming on the show. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, we hope you all took a lot away from this podcast today. Uh, and for further information on what we've talked about, please head over to cruxdata.com. And we'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our social media site, EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head over to em360tech.com.